witty, thought-provoking, and uplifting Southern Soul Livestream is a program that you'll invite your friends over to watch every week, where you'll learn about interesting guests and get to share in their fascinating experiences. Tune in each Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern to connect with guests from across the generations and to laugh with our eclectic hosts who are as charming as they are talented. OMG, what's up, people? This is your boy, Calvin. We have an awesome announcement for you. Get ready to elevate your brand to the next level. We are launching Soul Surge Media. But check this out. We're just not another agency. We're your growth partners. You ever have that experience where you get out there, you spend money on your endeavor, your passion, and the the person just didn't do it right. Here at Soul Surge, we're building a full service agency of creators you can trust. People who do what they love and love what they do, and they're here to help you. So get ready to elevate your brand from captivating content, establishing your LLC, and your brand identity to building your community through live streaming, podcasting, establishing you as a paid speaker. We are a full service agency. So check us out at soulsurgemedia.com. Awesome, awesome. Welcome to Soul Thursdays. Y'all know when I get to feeling good, I get to feeling good and I start doing all of the things I love. What do I love? Mental health. But tonight we're going to switch it up a little bit and we're going to talk about mental health in a different way. We're going to talk about youth mental health, the mental health of children. I love this topic because it's the topic that's still novel, still has tons of opportunity. But what I love about it is that we don't often think about mental health for the youth. We think about it with people with jobs and people who are stressed out. But now we have Miss Shanera. Shanera, I connected with her and I love, love, love her energy because she says, I'm with it, Calvin, I'm ready. Let me give you guys the backdrop. The backdrop is this. As parents, as typical as I would say, middle-class um, parents in America, we all want awesome education for our children. And what do we do? We do what the people before us tell us. They say, get a good school, get a good zip code, and things like that. And we do that. But what happens to our kids once we select those awesome schools, those awesome zip codes, and they end up being the only one? Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Shanara Williamson, and hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you? So glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. Let's get right into you as Brown Mama Bear. And I'm just going to give you a chance to explain what that means. Okay. You have a profound passion for protecting black and brown youth in what I'm calling aggressive spaces. Y'all know what that means, aggressive night spaces. <laughs> and can you share with us the inspiration behind starting your podcast and your mission for empowering parents? Absolutely. Calvin, thank you so much for having me. I just was cranking up when you said aggressive. I was like, yeah. I am so passionate about helping parents do exactly what we've been talking about, to advocate for their own children, but also just show up for your own kids. But I realized this, that it can be really difficult and it can be lonely. And so we need to have community. And that's what I want to provide. So I started the Brown Mama Bear podcast as an idea that came about because after my youngest daughter graduated from high school, I was exhausted. And I thought about all that I had just been through. I have three daughters and getting the last one out of high school 
what I realized is that there were things that I learned from that that I then wanted to turn around and pass on to um, a woman who has children younger than mine. So I just feel like there's too much that happened in our situation that was challenging and difficult that if I just let that go and it was only for me, it can't only be for me. I, I need to pass that on to somebody else. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us this, in your experience, what are some of the most common challenges Black and Brown youth experience in aggressive spaces? And how can parents more effectively support or protect their children in such environments? I believe that one of the things that we're facing is a lack of quality education wrapped around our history. We need to understand our past in order to understand where we are today and where we're going. And so I think that's one of the things that we face a lot in the in these schools. And that's in every school. I'm calling it in America, but I understand across the pond, there's some challenges as well. I think there is anti-Blackness that exists all over the world. But for our purposes, one of the things that, that I knew that I could speak to, what my experience was watching my children grow up in these schools that were deemed to be good schools that we sent them to. But there was no line item. There was no way that I could account for these other things that were part of it. The bias that comes in education, that the things that they were taught about European Americans or even about Europe was valued higher, those types of things. One of the things that I knew for a fact was that there were extra things that I had to do, that I had to provide for my children in order to give them a well-rounded understanding of the world around them and to give them a better idea of the racial identity that they have themselves. And so I didn't want them to think they're higher than anybody, but we're definitely not lower. That's for sure right there. So in order for my kids to also be able to appreciate other people's culture and what the other people that they interact with, I think they need to know their own first. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. We had a speaker last year and she talked about her education. She grew up she was literally born on a PWI university and raised in a very, let's say, white area. And as she go off to school, she talks about the first time she saw a teacher of color. And I think it was sometime probably, let's say, seven, eight, ninth grade before she first sees her teacher of color. And she shares with us in her biography, yeah, these young folks, they, they write biographies early. They're 30 years old. They're writing biographies, right? But in her memoir... She shares with us that she, in her mind, subconsciously believed that white people were intellectually superior. After all, all her teachers at these places were white. Right. If right. all her teachers are white, aren't they smarter? Yeah. And she says, but when she got her first teacher of color, that teacher really poured into her. Yes. Invested in her and said, girl, you can do this. You can do this. You need to run for president of the school. And you need to do this and she do this. And she says, to this day, when she begins to talk about with her peers, people who grew up in a similar environment, they talk about that first black educator they ran into and how that first black educator began to plant seeds that were to later blossom. And that's one of the things that we discovered here at Soul Thursdays. So tell us this, Shanera, raising black and brown children in predominantly white spaces can propose unique parenting challenges like the ones I just mentioned. Can you share some practical insights and advice for parents on how to address things such as biases or prejudices or even microaggressions that our children may face? 
Yeah, I've got three um, things that I think are imperative for all parents to do. Number one is to use our time at home to do things very intentionally to connect kids to their culture. And for us, it just happened in a way that I don't know that I was thinking of it really intentionally. We were just being us. We were just being who we are. So I can remember sitting around the table. Um, I used to have this game that I like to play with the kids uh, where we have to pick up a card and answer a question. And so we would do it as parents. We would answer questions about our um, lives as we were younger. And then we would have them answer questions about things that were going on with them. And one of the days that we picked up the card, it said, tell about a time when you were you can remember being afraid as a child. And my husband told this whole story about being 16 years old. He grew up in Detroit and he was driving and got pulled over by the police. And as he described the whole thing, what we were just doing was sharing our lives with our kids. But what happened was we were also giving a foundation of what it's like to be a Black man in America what it looks like to drive while being black. We were giving them that as we were just sharing our stories with them. So when they got older and they started hearing about it, they're going to predominantly white schools and their teachers and their classmates are questioning if this thing is real or not. My kids are like, is it real? We know the people that this has happened to. So those are the reasons why it's really important to have those kind of conversations around your dinner table and just in your life that you're just sharing things about who you are as Black people in America, sharing our lives with our kids. The second thing I always say, too, is that we need to make sure that we're filling in the gaps. There are a lot of gaps in our educational system that um, don't tell stories of Black joy, Black excellence, of Black people who have made contributions to this world. And so I have always was looking for ways to fill in the gaps for my kids. Maybe because my parents both are educators, that was something that was really important to me. But I knew that you're not going to get everything from this quote-unquote A-rated school, but get everything they got for you. And then when you got home, I got some more. <laughs> so I just wanted to fill in the gaps. And then the final thing, the third thing that I always say is don't skip out on the family reunion. If you're raising your children in predominantly white spaces, going to the family reunion is a non-negotiable. You've got to make sure that we are connecting our children to people who look like them and love them and have experiences of cultural things that we do that I can't even put my fingers on all the time. It's just who we are and you just have to experience it. So whether it's being at the picnic at the family reunion and you get up in an electric slide or you have a mac and cheese or whatever it is, those are the things that are just part of who we are. And we need to make sure that our kids are exposed to them. I love it. I love it. I am so tickled right now. You are the first person I've heard say that. And on the last one, the family reunions, I often talk about taking my son to Texas, right? Mm -hmm. I said, I, I know some cousins, they, they're a little itchy, they're a little scratchy, they're maybe a little crazy. I said, but you're going to one day, you're going to need them crazy cousins, right? And I like the way you articulate culture, right? Because whether it's sitting down at the table and hearing real life stories, or if it's electric sliding and, and doing whatever they do, and my oh, family's yeah. playing dominoes, right? And yeah. playing dominoes and counting before STEM was a thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My family was a Bidwiz family. Oh, Bidwiz? So you already know, as my cousins <laughs> no. say, already, right? But I love the way you articulate that because 
in skipping out on the family reunion, I get it. There's so many differences in this black diaspora now, but there's also a lot of culture and there's a lot of confidence, there's a lot of beauty. So excuse me, I typically don't talk, but girl, you just got me going. So, so thank you for sharing that. Tell us about your podcast and where people, what people can expect. You cover a lot of topics. Tell us about the topics and the speakers you have in your podcast. I love just finding gems. I love talking to people who can give some input, encouragement, and support to parents. So I am a Black woman talking to Black and brown women who are raising children in America. So I, if other people listen, that's wonderful. But my target audience, the people I'm trying to do is I want to encourage and center everything I do around brown women because there are so few places where that can happen. And one of the things that I know to be true is we have to put our mask on first so that we are able to help anyone else that's with us. Just like when you get on the airplane and they say, look, if this thing is going down, don't just try to put the mask on your children. Put yours on first so that you're able to help others. So I think it's the same way. And my podcast is designed to give the support, the encouragement, and all the input that parents need specifically the mother, everything that she needs. So I, I make it 30 minutes or less because I want her to on her way to work or when she's working out to just have something that encourages her and gives her back. So I know that for me, it was really difficult when I was trying to fill in the gaps educationally with, for my kids. It was also difficult when we had things come up and they will. Things go sideways when they're in these spaces and white teachers or maybe even teachers who look like them are not understanding what this looks like to have a space that that includes children who look like ours. So I want to make sure that I'm helping parents, whether it's with education, whether it's advocating for your children in school, or it's, it is putting something in them so that they can be resilient. I know that something's going to happen. It doesn't matter where you go to school. At some point, because of the anti-Blackness that's around us, you're going to have something happen. And so I liken it to running a race when you are doing hurdles. You got to get a good rhythm and then clear the hurdle. So my podcast is here to help you with that rhythm so that you can help your kids clear those hurdles that are put in front of them. Um, uh, you can find me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the reason I'll call Brown Mama Bear is this. I had a teacher who was also one of my kids' coaches who tried mm -hmm. to dismiss what I was saying to them one day. I was saying, this is something that's going on in this team, and I think you need to pay attention to it. And she was like, oh, you're just a mama bear. And so I didn't like that. I don't like being dismissed. A couple of days later, I was talking to uh, a guy who works with my husband, and he loves to go camping. He was in the Appalachian Trails doing some camping. And I was like, I don't enjoy that. I, I don't understand what you're doing. I like being indoors <laughs> and on my vacation, I want air conditioning. As I kept talking, one of the things that he said was he enjoys exploring everything. And I said, but what happens when you see bears on the Appalachian Trail? And he was like, you don't ever have a problem. They're not predators unless you get in between a mama and her cub and she doesn't know what your intentions are. And that conversation came back to me and I was like, yes, I am a mama bear. That's nothing to be ashamed of. Don't get in between me and my cup. And the thing that got in between me and my cup the most was something that people trying to gaslight me and tell me wasn't real. It's when there was racial hawk that came to my children. 
Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to add back our other two speakers and we're going to do some community conversations. There's been some questions put in the chat and I'm um, love. I had a question for you, but you answered the question because I was going to ask you to bring us full circle on the brown mama bear, which also influenced the marketing. If you guys see a bear in, a, in, in the back of the flyer, that's what that's from. That's that mama bear. And, and as the lady says, you don't have to worry about the bears. They ain't worried about you unless you come in between a mama bear and her cubs. Tamika, what questions do we have for the audience, from the audience? Can one of the speakers speak to the way ADHD or ADA, ADD presents in girls? Because she's an adult woman with inattentive, never treated or acknowledged. And she said it's messed up her life. Yeah, Actually, she put it was a. It's been an like, show. Hey, it's a family. <laughs> you can't say that. But I thank said, you for writing, Lisa. Yeah. So, <laughs> you want to speak to that at all, Maria? Go ahead. Let me get you unmuted, and let me get Lamonica unmuted. So, Lisa, you are more common than. Unfortunately, there literally are lots and lots of adults now who are discovering that they have ADHD. Most of my adult parents at my school discover that they have ADHD because as they get their children diagnosed, they then recognize those same characteristics in themselves. Back in the day, you didn't get a diagnosis. Remember, if you appeared anything slightly different to whatever the prescribed norm is, they sent you away and they shut you away. Often for families of color, there's the shame. So we're trying not to be different. We're trying to fit in into a society or an arena that really doesn't want us. And so to have a child who deviates from the norm is not to be accepted. Often people with ADHD are forgetful. They often have difficulty sitting still. They're predominant, often disorganized. Slow processing speed is something. But like I said earlier, focus on what you're good at right? Focus on what you're good at. And what we teach our children is to use their strengths to help them combat the things that they find difficult. Being disorganized, being dysregulated, having a schedule. It's really vital for people with ADHD to have a set routine. I tell teachers about this too, and have the routine written down and have it visible. So for you too, even as an adult, have that routine on the wall. What time do you need to get up? What time do you need to shower? What time do you need to leave for work? What are the things that you need to do? What time do you prep the dinner or whatever? Schedule it all out. Give yourself a time. Stick it on the fridge. Do it nice and bold so that you can check where you're up to and not have to rely on your memory because recall is difficult right? It takes a while for you to remember. Plus the fact you get easily distracted. If you're anything like me, I do 27 million things all at the same time. And anybody that works with me will say, how do you do that? Trust me, it's probably not a good thing. Somehow or another, I managed to pull it off, but I get bored really quickly, right? And so I'll start this thing and then I'll see that and I'll start that and I'll start that and I'll start that. So I'll be doing 70 things and sometimes things get lost, right? So having lists, I hate lists, but I need to do them. So I do, I write out my to-do list so that I can cross it off. 
So creating schedules for yourself will help you become more organized. And then find a community. You need a community. You need a community. You need a community. You need a community. Did I mention you need a community, right? You need to have people around you who get you, who understand. The kids at my school talk about being in their tribe. And that's what they found. They found a community. And with, that's why I'm starting a community chat. And so if you want to email me to get on my mailing list, do that so that then we will have monthly community chats for parents who children have ADHD, autism, whatever. Or if you have it yourself and you just want to get around people, we're, we're going to have breakout rooms so that you get to talk to people who live near you. Community is the key. Don't be ashamed of the fact that your brain is wired differently, that you think differently. You need to celebrate that and pick out what you're really good at, celebrate that, and then create systems to deal with the other things. So find awesome. a community that help you. And a therapist is also a good place to start. But talk awesome. to people, me and Sharina and LaMonica, because we can help. Awesome. Awesome. I got another question. I see a question in the chat that I want to jump on to make, and then you can help me make sure I don't miss anybody. Julia has a question. She says, how do you help a student with anxiety and panic attacks when he is 16 year olds in high school? So it seems like she's observing this with a student who's 16 year old in high school, but may be a little bewildered on how to help the students. Anybody who want to speak to that? LaMonica or Shanera or Maria? So one thing is I will piggyback on something that Maria said. I am a huge advocate and believer in therapy. If you have the resources, and there's just so many free resources out there now to help you or your kid get therapy for free. And then if you have insurance, those ways too. But also even with doing therapy with a, a provider, also Having your child know they're triggered. Like, what makes you anxious? Because is it school? Is it test? Is it that I actually have just, like, biology coming into, and genetic coming into play of, I, I, I have anxiety about all the things. And so knowing what things um, actually trigger that anxiety. And so that comes through conversation. Talk to your child. What's going on? And how did, how does it make you feel? Like, how is your anxiety showing up? How, what does it look like? Is it a racing heart? Is it sweaty prong? Is it continuous salt? And so just digging into those things to help you to figure out, like, how did, how do I respond? Because different things will result in a different response. Um, and during those panic attacks, because I, I have those too, of knowing what to do. Like one of one of the strategies is to get in a cold place. You gotta retrain your brain. You gotta move from a situation to another situation. I'm thinking, but if I'm freezing cold and you can look at the research, if I'm getting a cold place or I, I had something else, another stimulus to take my mind off of that. And just looking at all of those things, all of those different strategies. And that's how you, that's how you help your kid. But first you have to know your kid, ask the question, have the conversation. I love it. You know, along along with that, one of the things that I found, I always say at the end of my podcast, from my empty nest to your busy home, 
I know y'all are busy. There's a lot going on. So I just want to give you some tools that I had in my toolbox. One of the things that I found to be really helpful is to use that time when they wind down at night. Now, y'all are probably tired at the time. It's bedtime for everybody. And I know I, there were times I was just, let's all right, let's, how fast can I do it? But it, especially for um, one of my daughters in particular, it was that time that I realized that's when she would open up and talk a little more. So as I'm putting them to bed, that's the time to say, what's going on with your heart? Did anything happen today that hurt you? Did you do something that hurt something? But you can have those kind of heart level conversations when kind of everything, it gets quieter and calm down. And I find that's the best time to get to know your kids. But sometimes, I, I, you know, I used to think right after school or right when I get home, you know, that is not the best time. But when they are calm and they're about to go off to bed, one of my daughters, I used to come in and just rub her the bottom of her feet because she was an athlete. She would open up, start talking. I love I? it. You reminded me of a part of one of the key drivers behind your podcast. I know you and I were talking. You was like, Calvin, as parents, we are busy. Yes. It's hard to keep up with everything. You got to keep up with this. You got to keep up with nutrition. You got to keep up with physical health. You got you got to keep up with mental health. It's it's so much. And I know you describe it, I'm paraphrasing, that you want for your podcast an opportunity for busy parents to not have to learn everything, but to go to a place where they can listen and hear from the experience of previous parents who have just gone through it. So you want to share a little bit about that? And then Maria. Yes, absolutely. I just wanted to be a one-stop shop and you can get some tools to put in your toolbox. So I'm constantly looking around for people who can speak to these issues that can be helpful to you. Uh, I recently had a therapist on from Atlanta who deals specifically with Black women. And her platform is called Not So Strong. And she was just like, you know, sometimes we don't always have to be strong. And so I love that aspect of it. And then she was bringing things to the table. I've talked to authors and sometimes it's, let me read the book. I'm in the empty nest. I'll read it. I'll summarize it for you. And then I'll give you some takeaways. So you can just come to the podcast for 30 minutes, listen to what's happening, and you don't have to then go try to do all the things, but you can get the Cliff Notes version. I just dated myself. I don't think there's Cliff Notes anymore, but you get uh -oh. the short and verge of some of the things that you need so that you can get those tools to put in your toolbox to be effective parents for your kids. They just I need somebody that. who's going to provide for them and protect them. I love it. Get your cliff notes and your TI-85, y'all, in case you need it. Maria, you were getting ready to say something. So I just wanted to add on because she mentioned that she was a teacher. And yeah, teachers are busy too, but going to school every day is like going for a job interview. So think about it. You know what to expect, but you don't know what they're going to ask you. You don't know if you're going to feel comfortable. You don't know if you're dressed the right way. You don't know if they're going to like you. For a kid, they feel that every single day. So if you create an environment in which they feel safe and can open up, then you can find out. Anxiety is very complicated because they may not only be anxious about being at school. A lot of children are anxious. We have students who are anxious about the separation of them from their parents. They read about accidents every day. They're anxious that their parents may get into an accident after they drop them off. So you got to find out what the kid is actually anxious about. So create a safe space. Maybe you have a lunch club 
Maybe there's a nice room with a couch where the kid can come in and have lunch with you and talk to you. You need to be accessible. They need to be able to trust you because unless you find out what the trigger is and what they're worried about, you can't help them. So again, we've got to be great listeners. We've got to be warm. We've got to be open and we've got to be willing to put in that extra time to find out what's going on. And it could be the tiny little thing that if you can fix it, it makes a world of difference. Awesome. Maria, I love a story you share. And we, Tamika, if you can grab one more question from the chat before we let our speakers go. But Maria, one question you tell, if you don't mind sharing it, is the student who um, felt safe underneath your desk, right? Which is sounds awkward until you understand the context. Maria, you mind telling us that story? So when I was head of the lower school, so I used to, so my school is for twice the sexual children. We go from fourth grade through 12th. And I ran the lower school, which was fourth through six. And my kids show up and you just don't know what version of them is going to show up from one given day. They may have had an argument with their parent. Maybe the shoe didn't quite fit. They couldn't find their whatever they wanted. And the world comes to an end. So one of my female students used to get really stressed out. And one of the strategies we use is that we create safe places for the kids to go. Her safe place was underneath my desk because I had a huge one of those old fashioned, deep, dark wood desks. And she literally made a fort under there. So we had a pillow, a book. And she could just go underneath my desk. And um, so I was telling Calvin that when this kid came running in and would dive under my desk, that would my, my cue to leave. And everybody knew that unless I was in some major meeting, if she needed, if she needed a break, she would just get up and walk out. And they would literally follow to the classroom door. As long as she walked into my office, they knew to leave her alone. And if I saw her coming, I knew to step out of the room and she would go underneath my desk until she had centered herself and she was calm and she felt safe. Then she would come out. And just as you said, when she was ready to talk was the time to speak, not when she was emotional and stressed out and had been triggered by something. But no, when she'd spent time underneath my desk, feeling really nice and calm and safe. When she came out, then she'd either want to talk to you or she'd want to go back to class. Both responses were perfectly fine. Sorry, Maria, I wish my kids would have been with you. I both, love it. I love it. Both responses are perfectly fine. And one of my favorite kids, Aiden, and I don't have favorites, but he was one of my favorites because he was so troubled and had so many problems. And the first day in my class, he crawled underneath the desk, right? Crawled under his desk while I was teaching. And then the kids told me he was under the desk and I'm going, okay. And so he came out from under the desk and he said, you need to send me out now. And I'm going, send you out, why? He goes, because I'm not sitting on my chair. I'm going, baby, if you need to be underneath my, the desk, because that's where you feel good, have at it. I love it. I love it. We're going to give the speakers an opportunity to wrap up on one last word. We talked about a lot tonight. Thank you. And I'm, let me say thank you. So I'm going to give each speaker a chance to do a wrap up, a close out. Thank you, Maria, for showing us the possibilities. I always joke. Them folks out in California, y'all always fancy. Y'all doing fancy, sophisticated. Y'all got a twice exceptional school from kids from zero to high school. I don't know what they do that except California, right? Hopefully we in Georgia can learn from y'all and benefit from that. 
LaMonica, thank you. So thank you for being so vulnerable, so true, such a, a testimony, a witness to what it's like to not only experience these nuances in life, but to find your calling and your purpose and begin to help other people. Shanera, thank you for sharing with us your unique perspective as a mother who raised not one, three, y'all, three daughters through very awesome schools and learned through that process. Wait a minute. An awesome school cannot solve all of the problems and do 100% of the education. We have to begin to make sure that we fill the gap of what those awesome schools aren't doing. But let's start with Shanera, then we go with La Monica, and then with Maria. Any last thoughts, Shanera, you'd like to share with us? Sure. Well, one of the awesome. questions that we got here in the yes. chat, I was going to try to address that real quickly, was how do you know when to advocate for your children and how to let them do it for themselves? So I would say when my rule of thumb was early education years, that K through three, I am doing it because they are not cognitively, emotionally ready to stand up to adults. As my children got older, I would have them practice that a little bit at a time. And then elementary, middle school years is really more of the training of that. Like by high school, it was like I'm handing it off to you because I wanted to train them for when they're on their own. However, there is always a however. We had one situation happen in high school where uh, a teacher said to one of my daughters right after a spring break, and we had been out in the sun and had been way at the beach. And he came in and he said, oh, it looks like you guys had, didn't have too much sun, I guess. And that's everyone except for you, Lauren, to my daughter. And she was the only Black child in the advanced placement uh, English class. So I had to go in and talk to that teacher. And the reason I did that is because she was devastated that he had publicly embarrassed her. So as I went in and explained to him how inappropriate that was, one of the things that he said to me was, she seems so angry with me. What do you think I should do? And I said, I'm not into telling um, adults what they need to do. And I trust that you have a master's degree in education, that you could figure this out. All I'm saying is there's a reason why she's angry. And just like you did something uh, that was, that caused that, uh, I'm looking to you, I'm asking you if you would do something to repair what has been broken. The man then said, do you think I should take her aside? I'm not here to tell you what to do, but if you embarrass her publicly, I think you need to apologize publicly. So that is just what my suggestion is to you, but I I'm not going to tell you what to do. This is the same teacher who also took the time to tell my child that she was too smart to have applied to go to an HBCU. Mm. I went to Howard University. That's where my child applied. And I wanted him to know that was also inappropriate. He has crossed a line and come into things that is in our home mm. to stop. Mm. So those were the types of things that even in high school, I had to say, I got this one. I'm going in. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I did that is because there's some things that they don't even need to has to do. Um, and, and there's a power dynamic between an adult and a child. So you have to look at each situation um, specifically and what that is. But the general rule, I thought, was I separated elementary, middle and high school. So I hope that helps. And thank you so much for the question. 
Awesome. Awesome. Anything else, Shanera, before um, you drop off, before he lose you? Anything oh, else? Oh, and I want to say thank you so much for having me. I would love for any of you to follow the Brown Mama Bear podcast. I'm on Instagram at Brown Mama Bear podcast. I try to drop some little encouraging encouragements uh, along the way for you. Um, also, please go to Apple, Spot- Apple or Spotify, listen to Brown Mama Bear podcast. And uh, also my website is brownmamabear.com. And if you go there, you can follow me a little bit more. So thank you so much. And I just want to encourage all of you who have black and brown children, we cannot let this ridiculousness happen and take us back the things that are happening in our educational system. Just today, the state of Florida has decided that in middle school um, classes that they are now saying that it has to be taught that there were things that were gained from slavery. There are certain skills that slaves got, and that has to be a part of the curriculum. Are you kidding me? So fill in the gaps and correct the things that are wrong because the miseducation of our children should not continue. And it's up to us as the parents to make sure that happens. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Shanera. Up next, LaMonica. LaMonica, anything you would like to, any question in the chat you saw, anything you would like to wrap us up with? One, I would like to say, I am tired of Florida. Like, I am so over them. Like, we banned books. We don't. Like, I am I am so over the, the entire state. So that's number one. I, I'm so over them right now. But two, uh, I appreciate everyone tuning in. I appreciate, Calvin, your hospitality, the invite, the vibe, the people. I, I'm really appreci- appreciative to have this avenue, this outlet to tell my story, to get my story out there and the stories of others. I'm not an anomaly. These things happen. And so it's okay to talk about. It's okay. It happens to your family. It happens after school. It happens with your friends. And so let's start these conversations and feel free to follow me at the helping heal, H-E-A-L.com. My last name is I-L Heal and I'm a teacher at heart. So it's a helping heal because I do want to help um, people heal in those areas academically, socially, mentally. And you can go to my website. You can also purchase my book at Amazon. Uh, if you also go to my website, there's a place um, for you to purchase as well. If you are interested in having me on the podcast, doing any kind of speaking, having my opinion on anything, mental health, education, children, just reach out to me. I am more than willing and ready and available. Awesome. Awesome. And up next, Maria. Maria, what you got for us? (laughs) We need to be proud of who we are. So let's start from there. Yeah. My school, we talk about starting with our strengths. And so that's what we've got to celebrate. We are individuals. We are unique. But we also, like I said, need community, right? I work with students now from fourth through 12, but I have literally done everything from pre-K up. So community is what we need. But please find out what your kids are good at. Celebrate what your kids are good at. And at the start of every school year, so right now, parents, I want you to sit down and start jotting down what's great about your kid and set up in a meeting with your child's new teachers to start the year off and start from being proactive. So go in there. Let's be mama bears and let's put ourselves in there and say, look, 
you are going to get my angel this year. My kid is great at all of these things, but I know they struggle in these areas. I'd like you to support them in that area. And please let me know what I can do in order to help you help my kid. Because these people need to understand that you are there. So let's not be absentee parents. I know we're all busy, right? I held down two jobs, raised a child as a single mom. I know what it's called to be busy, right? But you went to the trouble to have them. Because like I say, we all have a choice. Actually, you Americans don't have any choices anymore, but never mind. Go in there, <laughs> right? However, if you choose to have the child, then choose to remain involved and choose to advocate for your babies by being proactive and letting the educators know right out of the gate at the school year start, you are an active, caring parent. You are there. They can't turn around and say that they don't hear from you. You don't show up. You might not be able to show up to things because you work a job. That's why you start off the year by going in so they know, they saw your face. They know that you care. And you go and you talk to them and say, look, this is my wonderful kid. Let's make sure that this year is successful for everybody, particularly for my child. Let me know what you need from me to help support you. And my kid will be wonderful. So community is key. Please reach out. I'm going to pop my email in the chat. Reach out to me. Come check out my web series. Come join the community that I'm trying to create so that you have a space to talk. And if you have a high schooler that needs school, I also have an online high school as well as a school in um, L.A., and a school in Seattle, because apparently I ain't got nothing else to do except be crazy. But if there's anything that I can do, feel free to email me and let me know. I love to talk, as you may have gathered. <laughs> I love it. I love it, y'all. And that is a wrap. If you felt so inspired tonight, if you heard any of the speakers say anything that compels you, I know you did, because the speakers tonight were awesome. You can support us. Tamika's going to put it in the chat where you can buy us a cup of coffee. And yes, we like that bougie coffee. It costs $5. So we're going to give you guys a chance to support our buy us a cup of coffee um, campaign. Tamika's going to put it in the chat. You can also scan the barcode. I just want to say thank you to the speakers for being here tonight. This has been beyond one of my favorite education, youth education shows ever. And it's because of you. Thank you for being so patient and being over the water, but up to 2 a.m. in the morning. Thank you, Brown Mama Bear, for embracing that and allowing us to see that fierce motherhood that you provide in protecting your cubs. And LaMonica, as an educator, as a person with lived experience with mental health 